This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, hello. You're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. First of all, welcome to the No Fucks Given podcast, and thank you so much for listening. We are cruising right along. This week is episode 22, and I am calling it How to Make Your Fuck Budget Work at Work. A lot of people have been writing into my monthly advice column, You Asked For It, with questions about managing their fuck budget at work because, as they so often tell me, I have to give a fuck about my job. But I am here to tell you there are lots of little things that are involved with your job, at your job, with your coworkers, and how you do your job that you don't have to give so many of your precious fucks to. So now that we are starting to get back into workplace routines as people return to offices and to pre-pandemic modes of working, I thought it would be a good time to really address the workplace. And also, maybe you want to stay out of some of your old routines. Maybe some of the way that you've been working newly and differently since the pandemic happened are ways that you want to keep working newly and differently, like maybe working from home. So I'm going to talk about that. And basically, this is just an opportunity to set new boundaries. You guys know how much I love boundaries which are really just new expectations for yourself and for others. So today I'm going to talk about the fucks you have to give, because I know you have to give them, versus the ones you just feel like you should give and the difference between them and lots of different examples of how you could trim the fat from your fuck budget at work. I'm also going to tell you about the likability vortex, and how to stop giving a fuck about what other people think of you at work, which frees you up to say no to extraneous events and unpaid labor and coworker charity half marathons. And as always, listen to the end for your NFG tip of the week. Before I get going, just want to remind you, you can always visit nofucksgivenguides.com for more info on my books, my journals, for the show notes to this podcast and links to stuff I might mention on the podcast, as well as to sign up for my No Fucks Given newsletter. All right, here we go. How to make your fuck budget work at work. As you may know, if you are one of the 9 million people who have viewed my TEDx talk, The Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, uh, I left the corporate life to go freelance. And along the way, I realized that I had stopped giving a fuck about so much useless shit that was related to my day job, to my 15-year career, uh, that I was able to develop my not-sorry method for mental decluttering to help other people do the same. Um, and I am here to tell you that six years later, it still works. The mental decluttering is strong up in this piece. Uh, it works whether I'm in an office or whether I'm sitting on a lounge chair by my pool. 
Um, But also the same challenges arise. I still find myself overbooked. It's mostly my own fault. And I have to sit down and mentally declutter every once in a while and decide what I do and don't give a fuck about and discard the things that are not serving me. So just as one example, uh, my husband and I were recently able to get our COVID-19 vaccines and we had to leave home in the Dominican Republic and get to New York City and quarantine for a week and then get our first shot and then wait three more weeks and get our second shot and wait two more weeks and we are finally fully inoculated and liberated. And that means we have got a lot to do, a lot of stuff we want to do, a lot of people we have missed out on seeing. We haven't been back to the U.S. in 18 months. Uh, We've got family to see and friends to see and just, you know, doctor's appointments and mammograms and haircuts and all that kind of stuff. And I recently made the decision that I was just going to say a blanket no to all interviews, uh, interview requests for other people's podcasts, Q&As, speaking engagements, and things like that through the end of the summer. Because not one of those things that I do probably once or twice a week, every week uh, for most of 2021, is really that important, really serves my purposes uh, more than keeping a blank slate to see all my friends and visit with my family and get that haircut, and get that mani-pedi. This summer is really about me doing the things that bring me joy (laughs) um, and not doing the things that don't serve me. And like I said, you know, it's just, it's perfectly fine for me to have sat down and decided, wait, I don't need to say yes and kind of have all this scheduling stuff on my calendar once or twice a week, every week through August for little interviews that just won't really necessarily move the needle on my book sales that won't necessarily get 10,000 more listeners to the podcast. It's okay for me, Sarah Knight, to say, you know what, I'm taking eight weeks to do me. Um, So that's something I had to sit down and really consider with, you know, a gimlet eye toward what was worth my time, energy, and money. And that's, again, not just spending money, but earning money. Um, And there are things that I won't do anymore because they don't earn enough money for them to be worth it. So anyway, because we're talking about work, I think it's important to keep reminding people that there is that financial element of it and that there are ways that you can excel at your job and be responsible without taking on extra tasks, extra burdens that don't serve you in one way or another. So maybe They don't necessarily serve you because the person you're doing a favor for is in no position to advance your career. And maybe they don't necessarily serve you because you're not being compensated enough for the time and energy that you're spending doing them. So that's something that I want to talk about in this episode, taking on too much uh, that doesn't serve you, discarding some things that you don't really have to do, uh, even if you think you should do them. And I also want to talk about mental energy. You know, I still get annoyed by people I work with, even if I don't technically work for them anymore because I work for myself or even if I don't work near them. Uh, There are lots of people in my working life, and I'm sure that they get annoyed with me sometimes, too. And I have to decide where I want to put that energy. If I want to let it, you know, get me down day in and day out or if I just want to let it go and free up the room in my fuck budget for other things. And I still sometimes find myself agreeing to stupid shit just to be nice. 
Uh, and that is where the likability vortex comes in. So I have to note that, realize that I'm doing it, do a little more mental decluttering, and move on. All of this is to say I am not just the founder of the Natsari method for mental decluttering. I am also a customer. Um, and balancing your fuck budget is an ongoing task, just like balancing your checkbook. You have to stick with it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And coming up, the basics of not giving a fuck at work. Okay, so very quickly for anyone who has not seen my TEDx talk or has not been listening to this podcast religiously, uh, not giving a fuck has two meanings. It means that you don't care about something. And it also means you are not giving your fucks in the form of your time, energy, and money to that thing. So time, energy, and money are what I refer to as your fuck bucks. And arranging them and spending them in a way that improves your life is making and sticking to your fuck budget. And mental decluttering is how you make that fuck budget in the first place. It's just like physical decluttering. You have to discard and then you have to organize. So you have to ask yourself what you really give a fuck about and what you don't. You have to decide that you are discarding those fucks that you do not want to give, and then you organize your life around what you have left. So in my first book, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, I take readers through this exercise, which I call uh, cleaning out your mental barn. And the idea is there are so many fucks that you are being asked to give at any moment of any day uh, that it's a little bit overwhelming to deal with them all. So I broke it down into four categories. And the first category is things, and I dealt with that on an early episode of the podcast. Uh, those are the easy things that don't really have to do with anybody else's feelings, that don't have to do with making money for yourself. They don't have to do with people who depend on you. Uh, they're just things. You can decide, I don't give a fuck about Game of Thrones, and you just don't watch Game of Thrones. Work is the second category. And the reason it's the second category is because uh, <laughs> it's a big one. Pretty much everybody has some problem with their working life. Uh, they're giving way too many fucks. But it still doesn't quite approach the interpersonal relationships of friends and family, which make up the third and fourth categories. So decluttering your mental barn, the second category is work, and that's the one we're focusing on today. So what I want you to do is imagine uh, your mind is a barn, and in that barn is a set of big, dented metal filing cabinets lining the walls. And each drawer of each one of those cabinets is a subcategory of work, like coworkers is one drawer, uh, your boss is one drawer, meetings is a whole drawer. Uh, and you can have a miscellaneous drawer too for everything else. And each of those drawers are stuffed with hanging file folders of the fucks you've been giving, like your coworker drawer has a folder for coworker birthday parties. Um, and your boss drawer has a folder for remembering the name of your boss's dog. Uh, and the meeting drawer has a file for taking notes in a meeting that you know you will never, ever use. And now it is time to reorganize, reprioritize, and stick some of that shit right in the shredder. That is cleaning out your mental barn. And what you do is you sit down and you make a list of all of that stuff. You take inventory, 
all of the fucks being asked of you and that you could give. You write them all down. You make a list. I love lists. And then you start asking yourself if they really fit into your fuck budget. Do you really care about these things? Are they worth spending your fuck bucks, your time, energy, and money on? And if the answer is no, you cross them off with a big fat black marker. I also love big black markers. And you stop giving them. And this is the point at which people say, okay, but I have to give a lot of fucks. It's my job. And I get that. But remember, mental decluttering is about minimizing the annoy to maximize joy. So yes, you have to give some fucks to things that serve you. I talked about that earlier. Not necessarily just that make you happy, but that serve you. You have to show up at your job so that you can get your paycheck, so that you can pay your rent. That serves you. Um, This is not really zero fucks given, even though that is a very popular hashtag. It's fewer better fucks. And at work, there are plenty of fucks you have to give to get your job done. But there are also plenty that you could strike from your fuck budget right now, and I bet there would be no consequences. And in a little bit, I am going to give you some practical examples of those things that you could strike from your fuck budget at work. But first, I just want to hang a little bit longer on that word consequences. Okay, there is a difference between have to do something and feel like I should do something. That's the difference between real obligation and perceived obligation. And I have talked about that a lot in the No Fucks Given podcast, and I will refer you once again to the Do I Really Have To flowchart on my website. It's free. You can download it. It's from my book, Fuck No, and it helps walk you through some questions to ask yourself to figure out if something is a true obligation or if it's just a perceived obligation that you've been giving into this whole time. And one of the, the things that you ask yourself is, what are the consequences What happens if I decide that I don't give a fuck about this thing and I stop giving my fucks to it? Are there any? Uh, And if so, what are they? And once you've narrowed down what those consequences are, are you willing to deal with them? Because lots of times we work ourselves up in our own minds to this idea that we have to do things because we haven't taken the time to really just map out three, five steps ahead What happens if we don't do them? And we realize that we're actually okay with what happens if we don't do them. Um, That's a lesson that it took me a really long time to learn. But sometimes you just have to be okay with people thinking, oh, she doesn't want to go to the company picnic. What a bitch. You know, I'm okay with that if it means I don't have to go to the company picnic. So I want you to keep in mind the idea of thinking through the consequences of your actions. And also... The positive consequences that result in you gaining time, energy, and money back into your fuck budget to spend on things not that merely serve you, but on things that bring you joy. Okay? So coming up, I'm going to give you some hardcore examples of stuff that you could maybe stop giving a fuck about at work that may not have any bad consequences at all or that might come with consequences that you realize you're perfectly fine with if it means that you get to strike that item from your fuck budget.
All right. So the first line item on the work fuck budget that I'm going to talk about is the dress code. Uh, This is a good one for getting back into the office. A lot of us have been at home, you know, wearing our athleisure or in my case, a sarong and a bikini. And we're starting to get back out into the world and we have to go back to the office and We worry that some of our clothing that we have been getting real comfortable in working from home is not appropriate for the office. Obviously, this does not work if you have to wear a uniform. So you can skip ahead to some of the other things that I'm going to talk about in this episode. But if you don't have to wear a uniform and you have spent the last many years of your working life adhering to a real or perceived dress code, Uh, that no longer serves you because you would like to be more comfortable or spend less money on outrageously uh, professional-looking clothes just to kind of play catch-up with that one super stylish person who works down the hall from you. I am going to tell you right now that you can stop giving a fuck about these real and perceived dress codes. Personally, I started doing this a year or so before I left my professional life. So if you think that you can't be taking advice on dress codes from a lady who writes books uh, in her bikini all day, know that when I was working in a midtown Manhattan office building uh, in a professional environment, there was a dress code. Nobody really, you know, paid too much attention to the black and white minutia of it, but it did exist. And part of the dress code involved not wearing open-toed shoes for women uh, in the summer. And, you know, I worked in book publishing, which is slightly more casual than like a a law firm or an ad agency or whatever. But we had summer Fridays and, you know, we were quote unquote allowed to wear sundresses with little little cardigans and shit uh, in the summer. But there was a ban on open toed shoes, which really meant like flip flops, uh, but that basically the CEO of the company hated feet and really, you know, did not did not want people exposing their tootsies in the summer. And I had all of these really nice, perfectly classy uh, thong sandals, not rubber flip-flops, but, you know, foot-exposing sandals that were perfectly appropriate with my work capris. And I spent eight years at that company wearing closed-toed ballet flats in the summer in the humid uh, subterranean New York City subway hell back and forth twice a day, every day, getting blisters on my blisters because I was concerned with adhering to this dress code. And I finally decided, fuck it. I just, I do not give a fuck. And the consequences are minor. If anyone calls me on it and says, you are breaking the company dress code and we need you to not do that again, then fine, I won't do it again. But probably nobody is going to call me on it. And you know what? They didn't. I was even in an elevator with the CEO, and she didn't say word one about my open-toed shoes. So you've heard it here first, folks. Uh, Real and perceived dress codes, not something you need to give a fuck about if you don't want to. Also, related to uh, conserving your time and energy, putting together fancy work outfits and your money on buying extraneous professional wardrobe is makeup. Ladies, if you have been not wearing makeup every day because you've been working from home and you kind of love it and you've saved yourself half an hour every day not putting your face together 
and you feel like you kind of just want to go back out into your working world and continue to save that half hour every day by not putting your face on, uh, don't put your face on. You know, obviously, if it makes you feel good, do it. But if you've realized that it's not something you give a fuck about, be like Alicia Keys and just stop wearing makeup. That is going to save you so much time, energy, and money. All right, next up on things you might not have to give a fuck about or so much of a fuck about, meetings. Meetings are a big one. And yes, some meetings are mandatory, but some are not, okay? So for example, say you have, you work at a bi-coastal company and people from the San Francisco office are coming to Boston this week and an email goes around asking, you know, which of these four meeting slots would work for you to say hi to your counterpart from the San Francisco office. You can just say none of them and continue on with your day. You know, you can let someone else who doesn't listen to this podcast take one of those meeting slots. That is one of those things that is not mandatory. It's where, you know, corporate culture insists on wasting 30 to 45 minutes of your day uh, just shooting the shit with some rando who has nothing to do with you getting your actual work done on Wednesday at 3 p.m. It's a waste of time. And somebody else will take the meeting slot. You can just say, none of those work for me. Okay, thanks. Bye. Another way to give fewer better fucks at work when it comes to meetings is to ask if the proposed meeting can be a phone call. Um, better yet, just say, this can definitely be a phone call. Don't ask, do. That's what I call a no and switch. I have gone over that in my how to say fuck no episode uh, and the episode on setting boundaries. The no and switch is when you say no to something and propose an alternative that works better for you. And a phone call is always better than a meeting. And uh, okay, what if the meeting is mandatory? You know, it is going to be noted uh, that you are not there and you will be disciplined if you do not show up. But you know it is going to be stupid. You can decide that you don't give a fuck about paying attention. You could use the time that you are sitting in that meeting to daydream. You could use it to plan uh, other shit that is going to minimize your annoy and maximize your joy, like the vacation you're planning in three months that will get you out of this meeting once and for all. What I'm saying here, folks, is that if you have a meeting on your schedule uh, once a week or once a day, that is one to five hours a week, 52 to 260 hours a year that you could be using to do something better. So if you don't have to be in the meeting, don't take the meeting. If the meeting could be a phone call, make it a phone call. And if you do have to have your butt in the seat, you can use that 52 to 260 hours a year to do something that serves you while you smile and nod and try not to fall asleep when the lights go out for the PowerPoint. Honestly, I am getting really riled up about this. I don't know if you can tell. I am a proselytizer for not taking unnecessary meetings. But I am even more of, I'm like a cult leader for not taking conference calls, okay? Meetings that can be replaced by a phone call, like a one-on-one -on -one phone call, great. But conference calls are just phone 
meetings. It's too many people. It is a waste of literally everybody's time, and it gets nothing accomplished. It is a perfect storm of non-productivity. And don't even get me started on Zoom, which is just a conference call that you have to wear a bra for. I hate conference calls with such a fiery passion that I just stopped participating in them. About a year, year and a half before I left my corporate job, I just did the same thing that I actually talked about earlier in this episode where I've said a blanket no to interview requests and things like that that would take me away from the time that I'm able to spend catching up with my friends and family in this post-pandemic summer. I just started saying a blanket no to conference calls, and there were no consequences. Nothing bad happened. You know, you just say, I'm not available, I'll catch up with you after. And you get all of the information uh, that was generated by this group conference call, which is probably not that much, in one like 10-minute digest from a single coworker. And that's that. Uh, If there's anything that I hate more than being on a conference call and everybody checking in, oh, oh, who is it? Oh, do I have, oh, I'm waiting for so-and-so. Oh, how's the weather there? I just, I fucking hate that shit. It is such a waste of time. Um, But I hate more scheduling one. There's usually like 10 emails that have to go back and forth between a group of people just to set a time for the conference call. So a tip that I have for you, if you use any kind of group calendar, Google Calendar or Outlook Calendar where people can schedule things uh, for you at work, just mark it as busy all the time. So they literally like can't find a time that works to invite you to a conference call or a meeting for that matter. If you make it harder for people, they will just stop trying. And then if you're worried about what other people think about you not giving a fuck about conference calls, just remember that you are doing them a favor. If you can wipe a few non-essential meetings or conference calls off the calendar for everyone because you were too difficult to schedule with, they should be kissing your ass. I said it and I stand by it. And this leads me to something else I wanted to talk about on this episode, which is the likability vortex. So coming up, what is the likability vortex and how can you avoid falling headlong into it? So as I said, I've been getting a lot of questions into my You Asked For It audio advice column about work. I think there's a lot of collective anxiety out there about getting back into work mode, especially as it pertains to being physically around colleagues again. And one listener wrote to me saying that most of their work-related anxiety is about being liked and wanted to know how they could stop giving a fuck about what other people think of them at the office, because it's not the same as not giving a fuck about what a stranger thinks of you Or even not giving a fuck about what a family member thinks of you because you have this underlying relationship with them where they're not, they're probably not going to completely give up on you if you piss them off once or twice. Uh, This is tied in with your reputation and it's tied in with your compensation. So I do get it, you know, but there's a difference between being liked and being worthy of respect. And that is where the likability vortex comes in. The first and most important thing to remember here, as I always say, you cannot control other people's opinions. You can only control your own behavior. So your focus should be on being a great employee, great coworker, great boss, rather than simply 
a likable one. You need to focus on being worthy of respect for doing your job well rather than focus on being liked. They do go hand in hand sometimes, but if you're doing a bad job just to be liked, that is not going to work out great for you down the line. Um, You know, I've liked plenty of incompetent wasteoids in my time, but I would not hire any of them. And so the likability vortex happens when you focus more on being liked. So you're probably making decisions based more on other people's feelings than on the data. And that is never a great career move. Or you're making decisions based on wanting people to like you more than not wanting to be overwhelmed by taking on all their work. And if you take on somebody else's work to make them like you, that makes you suffer and it makes your work suffer because you don't have the time and energy to do two people's jobs. And furthermore, you can do all of that. You can pussyfoot around the hard decisions because you want people to like you. Uh, You can take on other people's work because you want them to like you. And they still may not like you just because for any one of a host of reasons. They don't like you because you remind them of somebody they don't like. Uh, They don't like you because they envy you for some reason. They don't like you because the first time you guys met, uh, you made a not that funny joke and they wrote you off. I mean, I've done that to people. So the point is that you can spend all of this time and energy and you can hemorrhage money from your fuck budget as well because you're spending too much time and energy doing things that are not actually uh, benefiting your job and might actually penalize you in the short or long term uh, in terms of your compensation or your advancement. And people still might not like you. Do you know why? Because you cannot control other people's opinions. You can only control your own behavior. So don't put your reputation and your work ethic and your standards on the line just to try to make somebody like you. You know, my husband said to me once when I was worried about this in my previous career, he said, Sarah, this is the publishing business, not the publishing friends. And he was right. And this is not to say that you should be an asshole on purpose. Uh, My whole not sorry method is built around using honesty and politeness to get what you want and to balance that fuck budget of yours and therefore not having to feel guilty for having done anything mean and nasty. You're not an asshole. You're not sorry. Um, But just know that if you're being a great employee, then you are worthy of respect. And you can stop caring so much about whether people like you, a thing that you cannot control. And next time you're feeling anxious about whether people at work like you, ask yourself if you're doing a good job. Are you making good choices? Are you completing your tasks and hitting your deadlines? And in doing so, are you a dependable coworker or employee? Great! If people don't respect and like you for that, that is their problem, not yours. And finally, all this talk of the likability vortex uh, leads directly into an aspect of your work-life fuck budget that you can definitely trim from uh, if you so choose. And I call it polar bears and half marathons. This is when you have a coworker who is really into saving the polar bears and goes around the office asking for donations for the charity half marathon 
that she is running to uh, to save her beloved polar bears. And maybe you don't give a fuck about charities. You don't give a fuck about polar bears. You don't give a fuck about Gail from Marketing, who runs uh, half marathons. And it is okay for you to just decline to contribute. You don't have to tell Gail from Marketing that you don't give a fuck about her and her polar bears, but you can just say no. You can just pass. You can just say, I'm not flush this week. Better luck next time. Um, you know, these are things that we build up in our own minds that have a lot to do with whether or not our colleagues like us, but they are extraneous items in the work fuck budget that we cannot necessarily afford, especially if it happens over and over again. And this applies to any non-essential task or invitation or expenditure. Um, you know, it could be a going away party for a coworker you don't even like that much. It could be, like I said, a donation to some coworker's charity of choice. If you have 10 or 20 or 50 coworkers, that shit can add up. It could be just being asked to be on a committee for the holiday party, perhaps a holiday party that you don't even intend to go to. You got to consult your fuck budget. Do you have the time? Do you have the energy? Do you have the money to spend here? And do you want to spend it? Um, and as I said, you have to be able to know the difference between real obligations and perceived obligations. And a lot of the perceived obligations that happen in and around the workplace are social ones. Um, and if they are not real obligations that are going to result in you taking home that paycheck and you do not want to do them, then you can say no. You can say, I do not give a fuck about that and I am not going to give my fucks to it. And if you have also stopped giving a fuck about whether other people like you, this is all going to be much, much easier. But if you're not quite there yet, if you still are anxious and preoccupied about what other people think of you, I like to recommend a visualization exercise. And this was an NFG tip of the week from way back early on in the podcast. Um, if you're being asked to give a fuck uh, that you do not want to give, and perhaps you've even determined that you do not have to give it, but you're still feeling like you should. Visualize what happens if you do give it. What happens if you overspend your fuck budget on this item? How will you feel? Uh, put yourself in the middle of that company picnic with that mayonnaise salad on a soggy paper plate balanced on your legs while you're making small talk with Gail from marketing about her polar bears and think about how you are going to feel in that moment. And that will hopefully push you over the edge to saying, no, no way, no how, can't make it. And remember, you do not have to be an asshole about it. You can just say no thank you, you know. Uh, you don't have to call in a bomb threat to get the company picnic canceled to get you off the hook. You can just not show up. And chances are nobody is going to notice and nobody is really going to care. The world is not going to end. You know, guys, is it a problem if you whiff on your actual obligations over and over again? Yes. Is it a problem if you dispense with perceived obligations? No. Uh, I've been there. I've done that. This is what I have been explaining to people for the last six years since I left my job and started writing the No Fucks Given Guides. This is all possible for you. You can have that balanced fuck budget. You can make it work at work with all of the advice that I've given in this episode. And coming up, 
a very relevant, very useful NFG tip of the week. But first, I'm going to do my traditional little recap of everything we talked about today. So remember, at the very beginning, I walked you through your mental barn as it pertains to work stuff. And I hope that you have already set aside time to make your list of everything that's hanging out in those dented metal filing cabinets, all those fucks you're being asked to give. And I hope that you have made plans to acquire a big black marker to cross off the ones that you no longer give a fuck about. That is mental decluttering, discarding, and organizing, and it underpins all of the work that I do and literally every episode of the No Fucks Given podcast. So see it, be it, mentally declutter it. Uh, I talked about how a lot of us are getting back to work in a way that uh, that we haven't been used to for the last year plus. And maybe we don't want to fall back into some of our old patterns. So we need to set new boundaries. We need to set new expectations for ourselves and for others. Uh, and we need to be able to decide that certain things no longer fit in our fuck budget. In fact, they never did. But we've had a year or so to realize the effects of having removed them from our fuck budget. You know, that half hour to put on makeup every morning, maybe that is really, really valuable to you in the back half of 2021 and you want to hold on to it. And if you go back to work after this pandemic as someone who doesn't do conference calls, you are a hero. If nothing else, now is a great time to start over on so many things in so many ways. Uh, but especially with your work life, you know, think about how you want it to be and make it happen in part by no longer giving a fuck about and giving your fuck bucks to the annoying, stupid, useless, not serving you shit that you used to waste your fuck bucks on in the before time. Uh, and part of that is thinking about the consequences and weighing their actual likelihood and whether you are willing to uh, to deal with them, to accept them. You know, you can make some changes saying no to meetings uh, that aren't actually mandatory or saving some fuck bucks by turning those hour-long meetings into a 15-minute-long phone call or even better, an email. Oh my God, any meeting that could just become an email, that's like, that's my dream. And if you're dangling in the likability vortex, you got to pull up, got to ask yourself, am I doing a good job? Yes, then I can stop giving a fuck about being liked and stay focused on being worthy of respect. If you're doing that, then you are more likely to be granted what you ask for, and you are more likely to live consequence-free from the shit that you don't want to do. You know, if you're doing a really good job and you want to keep working from home in 2021 because you get three hours back from the time you used to spend commuting, then... The fact that you get your actual job done well is going to stand you in good stead when you ask your boss if you can work from home still. <laughs> and unless your boss is Gail from marketing, it is not going to matter one bit whether you contributed to her Save the Polar Bear charity half marathon. The fact that Gail likes you is going to have nothing to do with whether you are rewarded for doing a good job. So that's going to do it for this week's episode on making your fuck budget work at work. And this week's NFG tip is, it's a little bit more of a challenge than a tip. Uh, I am challenging you to eliminate one piece of useless paperwork from your life every day this week. It doesn't have to be limited to work, but most of 
you know, the useless paperwork that we are faced with is as a result of our jobs, in addition to dress codes and meetings and conference calls and company picnics, one of the things that we waste so many fuck bucks on during the course of our working life is useless paperwork. Like, for example, I mentioned earlier that sometimes you're in a meeting and you're taking notes because you think you're supposed to take notes. People are supposed to see you taking notes. But do you ever consult those notes after a meeting? I mean, maybe sometimes you do, but I'm asking you to be really honest with yourself. Are there meetings that you sit through and you take notes just to appear like you're doing something or because you've fooled yourself into thinking you're ever going to need those notes? And then do you ever consult them? If you don't, then I'm challenging you this week to not take notes during a meeting and see what happens. Even better, more advanced, if you are a boss, a supervisor, a manager, and there is a piece of useless paperwork that you can eliminate not only from your own life, but from your employees' lives, a form that you know full well uh, never gets used for anything, just goes into the abyss of useless paperwork in your office life, then, then cancel that form. Tell everyone they don't need to fill out that form anymore. I mean, you want to be liked? Tell people they can stop filling out useless paperwork. That is what we in the business call a win-win. And that's it for today, guys. Thank you again so much for listening and making the No Fucks Given podcast a hit. If you liked what you heard, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. And please, please, please leave me a five-star rating or a short review. I would really appreciate it. You can always visit nofucksgivenguides.com for the show notes, uh, downloads to anything I might mention, and like I said, signing up for my No Fucks Given newsletter. And don't forget to email me your questions for the You Asked For It audio advice column. I do that once a month on the podcast. The next one is coming up in episode 24, so you have a couple weeks to get your questions in. And you can email me podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given, not sorry. Sorry.